Hello and welcome to Multi-Level Mondays, a weekly series all about pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes, multi-level marketing, and other forms of business fraud. I'm the Illuminati, and today I'm going to be talking about Yilishen Tenshi, which I kid you not, is an ant farm Ponzi scheme. I'll say it again for the people in the back, scams infiltrate everything. So yeah, this is going to be one hell of an episode. It's defunct now, but even if Yilishen isn't around anymore, I couldn't just not talk about it. That's so cool and interesting. An ant farm Ponzi scheme, come on. But we're in for a very weird and wild ride today. And no, this isn't on some tiny scale, some niche small company that had odd products. Just to give you a taste of what we're going to talk about, I'm going to read a tiny spoiler, the first line of a news article that was released when Yilishin collapsed. Here it is. A Chinese business executive was sentenced to death for swindling $385 million from investors in a bogus ant breeding scheme, a court official said Thursday. So yeah, this is absolutely going to be a strange one for sure. But anyway, let's start from the beginning before we get to that point. What was Yilishin Tenshi? Yilishin Tenshi was a Chinese company established in 1999 that sold traditional Chinese medicine made from ants. One of the products was apparently a version of Viagra. In addition to advertising the products under the name Yilishen on television, investors were offered a significant return if they bought boxes of black mountain ants from the company and raised them to maturity. Initially, this definitely freaked me out a little bit. I don't know much about traditional Chinese medicine, so I had to do a little bit of digging to understand better. It turns out ants have actually been used as a health food or drink ingredient in China for centuries. So even though this is definitely an unusual company thus far as an American looking in, I'm not going to condemn their products for having ants when this isn't apparently unheard of or uncommon within Chinese culture. There are supposedly anti-inflammatory and pain-killing substances within the ants themselves, so they help a wide range of conditions, including arthritis and hepatitis. The exact chemicals responsible aren't known though. In one study, the researchers identified at least two polyketides potential natural products also found in plants, fungi, and bacteria that have been shown promise in studies by others for fighting arthritis, bacterial infections, and a variety of other diseases. Hilariously enough, one pest control website even talks about how ants have had documented use in Chinese medicine throughout the years. Here's what they say. The black mountain or weaver ant has a 3000 year history in traditional Chinese medicine. Highly regarded as an anti-inflammatory, it's prescribed as medicine infused into tea and wine and eaten as food. The ants have long been held to relieve bone and joint pain, promote longevity, vitality, and sexual function, help to regulate the immune systems and is noted for its anti-aging effects. The first recorded mention of Chinese medicinal ants is in Su Li, an ancient text dating from the 8th century BC, which mentions ants as an excellent food for the king. More specifically, by the 16th century, the many pharmacological properties of Chinese medicinal ants were known and detailed in the Compendium of Materia Medica, a text still respected today in China, where traditional medicine is studied and practiced alongside Western medicine. Villagers in the mountainous Chinese province of Guangxi, a location of Dabama Valley Longevity Cluster, regularly drink ant wine, and it is often prescribed by village doctors to middle-aged and elderly patients. 
The distillation process involved in making the wine provides an effective delivery system similar to the pharmaceutical grade ethanol extract of Chinese medicinal ant used in Chinese hospitals to treat inflammatory disease. Physician perfected uses of the same rigorous ethanol extraction process used in modern Chinese hospitals. And I mean, they're not wrong. And in fact, it's kind of interesting actually. I had no idea a black weaver ant could have so many like medicinal benefits and has been used for centuries. Like, I think this is so cool. I never knew about this. So I found this really fascinating. But unfortunately, this is not a history episode today. We're talking about scams. So we need to go back to that. But that's exactly what Yili Shen was profiting off. They told buyers to get boxes of black mountain ants and raise them and then sell them back to the company when they died. Their buyers, according to my source, tended to be unemployed factory workers or peasants. They were instructed to feed the ants sugar, water, egg yolk, and cake with the promise that after three months, they could sell the ants back to the company. Return on investment were reported to be anywhere between 30 to 60%, and many investors would use those profits to buy more ants. And that sounds great, right? That seems fine. The company has people taking care of ants for them, and those people are paid for their time, right? Well, if that was the case, then we wouldn't be here right now, would we? One source broke down the scheme simply and stated, the Yilishin Tenshi Group, a Shenyang-based company, was manufacturing an allegedly aphrodisiac tonic made from ants which are widely believed to have medicinal properties in traditional Chinese medicine. But rather than wrangle ants themselves, nothing feels as good as bringing in a herd, I hear, Yilishin's scheme was to sell would-be ant farming investors boxes of special medicinal ants at 10,000 won for three. Along with the boxes came a promise that once the ants matured, died about 14 months later, Yilishin would buy them back for 13,250 won. That's a 30% guaranteed gain over 14 months, which while not quite pre-meltdown A shares, kicks the ass of many a hedge fund. Except that the Yilishin ant trade was a pyramid scheme and it went spectacularly bust, leaving tens of thousands of Dongbi punters short 10,000 won and long three boxes of worthless ants. If you convert this to US dollars, that's about 1500 USD right there, not an amount that many people can just afford to lose, especially when they were promised a return on their investment. Yet these kits that were sold were about $25 to make, according to CBS. They drew in more than 10,000 people between 2002 and 2005 and hundreds of millions of dollars. The Asia Sentinel reported that Yilishin went beyond mere ants. It advertised that it had developed into a modern high-tech health products enterprise of commendable integrity, combining the traditional Chinese culture of preserving health with modern biological science and technology, research and production with sales, and science and technology, agriculture, industry, commerce, trade, and real estate with media communication in terms of culture. The company, according to its website, advocated an honesty concept aimed at founding the honesty great wall of the harmonious society. The Chinese media reported that at one point, up to a million people bred ants for Yilishin, giving it an annual turnover of 15 billion won. But only Wang Sentong knew those real figures, the head of the company and the man behind the scheme. With his political clout, Wang made well-publicized donations to local charities and earned a dozen awards as a company making excellent foods and a top 10 kidney invigorant brand. He also earned a good credit rating. This all guaranteed him excellent media coverage. Some 50,000 to 80,000 pharmacies were said by the company to be selling Yilishin healthcare products. Science and technology, the company said, is our guide. 
However, the first blow to Yilishin Group came in 2004, when the US Food and Drug Administration banned the import of the company's products on the grounds that they were worthless as health products, delivering a serious blow to Yilishin's credibility. Things seemed all right at first, despite the company not having FDA approval. The money that was being raked in here is incredible, and the mother ants bred prolifically, so Yilishin certainly wasn't short on its main ingredient. However, then the company missed payments, sales went down, Wang was using new investor money to pay off old investors, just like a classic Ponzi scheme. Soon, it all fell apart completely, leaving so many without answers. You might be asking how the hell he wasn't caught sooner if there were so many people involved and it was obvious he was ripping people off. Well, the problem was that he had the people's trust and more than that, he had the government's trust. But before we continue on, let's just take a quick break to thank today's sponsor. The summer is heating up and everyone is starting to get a little bit busier again now that we're all getting vaccinated and finally getting out of the house a little bit more. So with all of our lives getting busier, it definitely makes sense to put some time aside to eat some good food. And that's where HelloFresh comes in. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. I am personally addicted to their firecracker meatballs. I'm telling you, if you guys haven't done it, when they do it with like the baked carrots as the side, I go absolutely insane for these. Like, and they, I think it shows up like every two weeks and I'm telling you, I'm watching it like a hawk because I want it immediately. And here's what's really impressive about it, right? Is I don't know how to cook for shit. Baking, I can do. Am I allowed to curse in an ad read? I don't know, let's find out. Sorry, HelloFresh, hope you're okay with that. But I love the meatballs and I can't cook, right? I can kind of bake, but I can't cook. And to know that I can actually make these little meatballs and bake carrots or whatever the side is that they do is incredible. I feel really good about myself and the food also tastes really good. And HelloFresh's ingredients are fresh and sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your door in under a week. Contact free, of course. So if you wanna get started today, make sure to go to hellofresh.com slash 12MLM and use code 12MLM for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Again, make sure to go to hellofresh.com slash 12MLM and use code 12MLM for 12 free meals. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jenny Kane. Now, as many of you know, we have talked in previous episodes about unsustainable and fast fashion and that there's a big problem. And many of you asked me, who do you like to use? Who does make sustainable clothing? Well, Jenny Kane is the answer. And they have my wardrobe prepped for the new California cool vibe. And I'm telling you, when you look through their store, everything is so casual and neutral and easily matched with so many pieces of clothing. It's so easy to work with. And the clothing is super comfortable. I recently purchased the cashmere boyfriend sweater in the color rose. It's got these beautiful long sleeves that just make me feel so cozy while I'm just working or curling up with Casper. Like, and it is just incredible. And Jenny Kane is a clothing company that is actually dedicated to sustainability, which is also something that's really important to me. They've taken great care to make sure that they're working with fair factories across the globe to produce their products. And that means they work with a women's co-op in Peru for their textiles and they locally produce when they can, which includes their candles, ceramics, and basic knits that are all made in Los Angeles. 
And in 2020, they launched their first collection of recycled knits, which consisted of a crew neck, t-shirt, sweatpants, and a dress, all which were made from 100% recycled polyamide, a material that comes from the waste of making other yarns and fabrics. So if you wanna get started with them today and find some of your forever pieces at jennykane.com, make sure to go to their website, pick out whatever it is that you want and type in code MLM at checkout to get 15% off your order. Again, that's Jenny Kane, spelled J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com and use code MLM to get 15% off your first order. A Ponzi scheme is all about trust at its core. I talk about this a bit in some of my previous Ponzi scheme episodes, but you have to appear to be a very trustworthy person to make the scam run successfully. That's why Keith Rainier got away with Nexium for so long, if you ask me. It's because people assumed Bernie Madoff couldn't be ripping them off, like you name it. These people seem trustworthy, perhaps even charming, and Wang was no exception. In its heyday, Yilishin established a 10,000 square meter factory with two production lines for wine and four for capsules with an annual sale capacity of 50 billion won. He hired famous film stars to advertise his products on posters and television, cultivating local politicians, including Bo Zilei, the governor of Lianoing, before becoming Minister of Commerce in 2004. Now, I'm not saying Bo Zilei was involved in anything other than an endorsement. I'm not sure if he knew what Wang and his company were really up to, but to have the Minister of Commerce's endorsement, that's huge. And to me, that would definitely scream, this is a legitimate company. I don't see how anyone could recognize that Yilishin was a Ponzi scheme if the Minister of Commerce is on their advertisements. Wikipedia also states that sometime in 2007, Wang made donations totaling $1.4 million to charity and to the 2008 Summer Olympics. And that was put towards things like infrastructure, a subway system, and things of that nature. It was also alleged the company spent money bribing government officials, but All of these links and sources that supposedly say these things all go to dead links. So take from that what you will. But to be honest, while researching this topic, there were more dead links than usual. And that was a bit strange to me, but we'll touch on that in just a moment. Anyway, with his excellent media coverage and endorsements and possibly officials paid off, people did not suspect a thing. Another source claims, Yilishin Group turned out to be well-connected throughout provincial circles. This apparently helped fuel its rise in the province, but also motivated embarrassed local officials to make the whole situation go away as soon as possible. That left bereft Anthards with the unusual channels of legal recourse available to a small time victim under provincial Chinese jurisprudence, none. So with absolutely nothing left, with Wang making false promises that a payment was on its way, those that fell for his Ponzi scheme turned to protesting to make their voices heard. Reuters wrote on November 22nd, 2007, that several thousand irate investors from across Liaoning, a Rust Belt province striving to attract investment, demonstrated on the streets and surrounded the provincial government offices in the capital city, Shenyang, on Wednesday. The provincial government has paid great attention to the situation, Zhen Kuiyang, propaganda director of the Liaoning provincial government, told Reuters. The besieging of the office has gradually eased. The investors, many of them laid off workers or farmers, put their savings into Shen Yang's Yilishin Group for a scheme in which they raised ants to provide ingredients for a health tonic promising an aphrodisiac boost. And with a title like the propaganda director, I don't know how to feel about that either. 
I've talked about this before, mostly when I go over Herbalife's most recent settlement, but bribery is simply how things are done in China. It's part of the business world and some would argue a part of the culture. One Forbes article that dives directly into this explains, bribery in China is often confused with the concept of guanxi or networks of connection and obligation that provide a foundation for societal trust. In the translated and quoted words of one of the individual Herbalife defendants, we need to build the connection with an official if the bribery is to be effective. In a similar manner, direct sales marketing is based on the exploitation of friendship and non-commercial social networks. The widespread distaste for multi-level marketing comes not only from disapproving financial outcomes for many downstream sales recruits, but also from the unwelcome awkwardness of receiving a sales pitch under the pretext of reconnecting. Understanding when and whether to regulate this abuse of trust will be important as multi-level marketing evolves into a viral economy of influencers and as electronic networks become increasingly entrenched in society, commerce, and politics. Another one of these Forbes articles state that 35% of companies in China pay bribes or give gifts just to operate. So look, I'm not trying to say that Wang absolutely paid off officials because I wouldn't make that accusation without proof, but it seems far from impossible at the very least, especially when you consider all that he did get away with. Needless to say, I can't blame the people for being pissed at the government, for protesting, and for those investors taking to the streets to make more people aware of what happened. This was an extremely devastating situation for many of them, One article in 2008 detailed the experience of a few individuals and it reads, "'The illiterate farmer has hardly slept for weeks and when he does, he has nightmares. His breathing is irregular, his brow is heavy. The source of his anxiety, a tower of cardboard boxes in the next room filled with ants.'" After more than four decades of backbreaking work tilling the soil, Li Fanghai, 62, and his wife had managed to save $11,000, which they invested in ant farming. These ants were far more than uninvited picnic guests, the couple were told. When ground into a powder, they become an aphrodisiac, a kidney purifier, a general cure-all, the Yilishin Tenshi group declared. The ants would earn them a 30% annual return. In reality, critics say the ants apparently were little more than the bait for a vast pyramid scheme. Over an eight-year period, the company recruited as many as 1 million would-be ant farmers, collecting about $1.2 billion. In mid-December 2007, it filed for bankruptcy. Instead of siding with Yulishin's victims, mostly poor farmers, construction workers, and the unemployed, the government has blocked internet postings and ordered reporters off the story, ant farmers say. Attorneys in the nation's capital have been discouraged from representing any of them, according to the website of the Beijing Municipal Lawyers Association. Most of the victims say they invested with Yulishin because of its close ties with the government and endorsements by prominent officials. Company officials frequently appeared with senior government officials. The company advertised extensively on state television and received a hard to get marketing permit. Again, I'm not saying he bribed government officials without a doubt, but no wonder people were upset. They felt fooled. Prominent officials endorsed it. It advertised on state television. It seemed far worse than just irresponsible that the government itself would do that without actually investigating the business first. There's frustration at the officials for their endorsements, frustration that they've lost money, frustration that the government seemed to suppress the story. And I feel really, really bad for the people that got caught up in the scheme and are not going to get fairly compensated on return finally. I don't always feel bad for people involved in these schemes because the information that they're in an MLM or a pyramid scheme is so readily available. Like if you're willing to brush aside an income disclosure and deny reality, then that one's on you. 
But in this case, that's not what happened at all. Here, farmers and peasants invested in what the government told them was a sure thing, only for the company to fall apart and abandon them without payment. The article continues and states, they returned most original deposits with a 32.5% premium every 14 months, and most investors apparently plowed the profits back to buy more ants. By some accounts, the average household invested $5,200, money often derived from settlements farmers received after their land was appropriated for development. Before Yilishin shut down, its website claimed the company had moved well beyond ants to encompass a high-tech marriage of traditional Chinese medicine and modern technology. When it started missing payments, Yilishin announced that new funds from investors in Kuwait would allow it to pay everyone by November 20th. That didn't happen, and thousands of anxious ant farmers descended on the company headquarters and provincial government offices. Authorities claim irate investors overturned cars and blocked rail lines, but one witness said the crowd was peaceful and that the real aggressors were the hundreds of riot police who detained and roughed up victims. In retrospect, I can see it was a fake company with a fake website, said a woman who identified herself by her surname, Sun, who said she used collateral from her apartment to invest almost $38,000 in ant boxes. I feel so fooled. We just want to know what happened to our money. And there's far, far more stories like this. One news story said that one poor village had many people spending their entire savings and they lost half a million pounds, about $675,000. They show the boxes and boxes of ants in these homes, and the news source says that anyone who steps forward has been threatened into silence, so they blur the faces of those they speak to. One woman they spoke to said the following. In 2006, the government gave Wang 4 million for being a taxpayer, and in 2004, an award for being one of the top entrepreneurs. Since he was trusted by the government, we all began ant farms for him. Again, I can't blame these people for being disheartened and upset. Yet the government continued to try to silence and stop protesters. Not only have they silenced protesters, but they've silenced journalists covering the story too. As another source explains, mainstream coverage evaporated and the search term Yilishin went down the Chinese internet memory hole once the authorities decided they'd have enough. Previously uploaded videos and blog posts dropped gnats in a frost. China's preeminent citizen journalist Zuola, a veteran of the Chongqing Nail House and Xianmen PX stories was escorted out. To add insult to injury, he was apparently made to pay for his own plane ticket. No word on whether he had to pay for the tickets of the goons who escorted him. Image Thief, the name of this blog, has a friend from Shenyang who complained bitterly about the suppressed media coverage. It's not like we don't already know about it, she said, admitting that her own parents had been among Yilishin's legion of ant farmers. It's so, she considered the English word she wanted to use, insulting. I found another article talking about this journalist too. Apparently Zhao, AKA Zola, was detained in Shenyang, interrogated, made to write detailed reports on everybody he met and everything since arriving in Shenyang to blog about the protest. He had his ID and money confiscated, though the ID was returned. He was punched when he said he'd rather travel by train than air, told to focus on his vegetable selling business, and then made to buy his plane ticket home. Now, as I said from the very start, Wang faces the death penalty for this. Whether you believe in the death penalty or not, I'm not going to tell anyone how to feel about it. Personally, I don't think the death penalty is in order here. Life in prison, sure, but not the death penalty. Obviously, the Chinese government feels differently, and it's probably in part because of how bad it made them look. According to CBS News, prosecutors told the court in Northeast China that one investor committed suicide after realizing he had been duped, and only 1.28 million of the swindled money had been recovered by the time the case was filed with the court last June. 
The Intermediate People's Court in Yingkou on Tuesday sentenced Wang to death, said an official in the court's case office who only gave his surname Yin. 15 managers of the company were given prison terms ranging from five to 10 years and fined from $12,800 to $64,000. Fake investments and pyramid investment schemes have become common during China's transition from a planned economy to a free market. Chinese leaders have tried to eradicate the scams, fearing widespread losses could add to already percolating social unrest. The death penalty is used broadly in China. Though usually reserved for violent crimes, it is also applied for nonviolent offenses that involve large sums of money or are deemed to have pernicious social impact. Apparently Wang isn't the only one being punished for scams like this either, because Wikipedia states that yet another man was sentenced to death for an ant breeding scheme in 2008. But yet again, the link that supposedly leads me to this information is a dead link, another 404 error. Seriously, I got so many dead links while researching this, like one to two are normal for me when researching, but this one had like seven or eight when I was going through sourcing and articles. Super frustrating. I know that's not proof that officials were removing those, but it's at least a little bit sus, right? Plus that British news source had quite a few interesting points when they said Wang wasn't even arrested for fraud, but disrupting public order and interrupting traffic. He made a public confession that he called people on the streets saying it was his fault. He said publicly that he asked people to cause problems for the government when he wasn't able to pay them when by all accounts, victims of his scheme took to the streets to be heard, not by his request. Now to add insult to injury, people have lost their savings and they're simply left with boxes of dead ants in return. The villagers they met with too were even temporarily arrested and told that if they went public, they'd receive nothing. Previous victims of Wang have attempted suicide. One even set themselves on fire in Tiananmen Square. They threatened to disrupt the Beijing Olympics and yet seemingly nothing was done. Or well, something was done, I guess. I don't know what it is though. And I'm certain the Chinese government does not want me to know either. Overall, this Ponzi scheme went from something that was super interesting to super depressing. And there's no really other feeling I think I have than going through this. I feel so horribly for those that trusted in their government were promised a return only to lose everything. This isn't like an MLM where people deny all the facts. And I wanna make that clear because again, I know it's hard to sympathize with those, but this is not that case. But Anyway, with that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of Multi-Level Mondays. Let me know what you think about it. Connect with me outside of the episodes. My Linktree link will provide all of the links to all of my social media and other projects I'm involved in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing so that you can stay up to date on all the newest episodes. Thank you again for making it to another Multi-Level Monday. I love you all, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye. I tend to be where the light and darkness meet on the edge of the 